Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. What up, what up, what up? I'm Brentley. I'm Dan. And we are bringing you a whole bunch of news stories and interesting things that happened in our return back to Florida. Yeah. Um, and in the interim. Uh, yeah, so, let's kick it off with our personal news, I guess. So, I don't know which personal news you're talking about. What do you mean, which personal news, Brent? So, I believe something happened to you a few days ago. Maybe we want to chat about that. Uh, see, but that's not what I have pulled up first, but okay. Uh, so, the FBI came to give me a little visit. <laughs> uh, let's see, can I switch? Yeah. So, I'll just play this video in the background and talk about it. Um, this was, you know, at the door the other day. Little FBI men came, three dudes. Uh, Play with sound, man. Show them. It's our video, and I'm just going to copyright it. January 6th. You're probably aware they work. So you can hear me breathing here because I'm nervous. Guys, you don't mind if I record this, do you? Nope, not at all. Okay. Um, so, what can I do for you? So, coming to talk to you about January 6th. You're probably aware they work. You want to talk to you about that? Uh, no, I wasn't aware. Actually, I, I called the Newark and New York office. So a little explanation here, guys. We had a alleged visit from the FBI back in January um, at Daniel's grandmother's home. Yeah, they oh, showed up uh, in Elizabeth, New Jersey at my uh, childhood home or, you know, my residence. Well, we didn't know it was the FBI because whoever made the appearance there did not leave a card. They didn't leave any way to contact them. They claimed to be from the FBI, but they didn't speak with us. They spoke with Daniel's grandmother, who was like 80 years old, and scared the crap out of her. Scared the shit out of her, man. So we didn't actually know if it was the FBI or if it was somebody trolling. Well, I mean, the way they were described, too, by uh, you know one of our friends who, who stays there, too, he said that they there's two of them, and they had like really nice shoes. They were well-dressed. They had trench coats on, you know, kind of a deep state sounding agent type character and this was at the end of january they showed up so yeah so when they when he says you may know that we've been wanting to talk to you i had no idea like i don't yeah. know well i mean we had a suspicion but i just i find it interesting that he starts off by saying that and then you explain to him what yes. we just said and then we'll play the video and we'll, we'll show them what he says next shortly after um i heard that somebody from the fbi showed up at uh, my boyfriend's house and we weren't sure because they never left a card they never followed up so we, we called both office to ask if they were looking for us or if they wanted to speak with us and we never heard back from them so okay. I wasn't sure yeah I'm not sure who that would have been uh, yeah so you know I wrote this on, on Facebook the other day about this and I said I quoted him he said you're probably aware we wanted to talk to you about that right so which is it did you know that we already knew that someone showed up looking for us? Or is he not sure who that might have been after Brentley tells him we called two offices trying to confirm if it was them or not? How would they know if Brentley was aware they wanted to talk, especially when it was my house they came to first at the end of January, yet not be, quote, sure who that might have been that tried to talk to us the first time in New Jersey? All right? So my grandma said the agents who showed up there knew all about Brent as well, meaning back in January. And they like to play games like this, so we, we just assume they know everything about us now, you know? But this, this to me sounds like a game. It's like in one breath you say, oh, you're probably aware we wanted to talk with you. And then you explain, you know, why we weren't totally aware or sure. And he goes and says, oh, I'm not sure who that might have been. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. it's very... So you like, don't know if it's you guys or not. And then he just sort of, like, goes, oh, so... Um, so, but anyway... So, so but, um, anyway, like, totally just sidestepping yeah. the whole point that, yeah. you know, whoever the agents were did not follow proper protocol. Yeah. If they were agents at all, he doesn't confirm or deny that. Uh, so now, given what he said, I suspect that there were they were actual FBI agents. Of course they were, yeah. Well, but we did not know that. We didn't know. No, we had no idea. I mean, we we couldn't confirm. And had no way of knowing. We called two offices. We thought maybe, you know, it was one of these situations where someone shows up pretending to be, you know, an official so they can get access to your house and then, you know, rob you later. So I actually did end up calling the Elizabeth Police Department back in January after this incident happened because we didn't know who showed up. So I called them just to be safe because that was what the NORC office said to do. They said, you know, if you're not sure if it was us or not, maybe you should contact your local authorities. So I did, and I put a report in because I wasn't sure, you know. And I thought this was funny, too, because I wasn't really paying attention to what I was filming. But one of my friends on Facebook pointed out that this guy is, like, literally writing down, like, everything mm -hmm. that I mm -hmm. say. It's just like, write it down, write it down, like that SpongeBob meme. Write that down, write that down, write that down. <laughs> so funny. Write that down. Um, so this was it. They Are you willing to talk to us today about what happened? Or? Uh, frankly, I'd rather not speak with you without a lawyer, okay. um, just because it's highly political, it's very charged. Um, not really interested in incriminating myself or something. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> not really interested in incriminating myself. Come yes. on, Brett. Well, see, I was nervous. Not that I'd done anything wrong or that I could incriminate myself. I'm sure I could somehow. Who knows? Well, the thing is they, they tried to catch you slipping up to say something, anything that could even indicate that, right? Yes. So, but this is what they do. You know, they show up unexpectedly. You were wet, naked, and wrapped in a towel because you were swimming, right? And then they just poof, come out of nowhere, knocking on the door, you know? Yeah. And you, had to, you had to answer and then actually run back and... and uh, put some pants on because you weren't even clothed so yeah i just got out of the pool when they knocked on the door but you know it's i'd like to see how you know other people would respond if the feds showed up at your door you see how how cool calm and collected you'll be when you chat with them but i mean overall i think i think uh it's kind of flattering that <laughs> that they had black folders with files on us and writing stuff down and every single thing that writing I writing down everything we say so it's like it's a level up for us you know we, we almost view it as like a crowning achievement at this point like, and if you're watching right now fbi yeah. hi uh, yeah what's up guys um yeah you know we we basically have nothing to hide everything we saw that day we've already said openly publicly online about january 6th and I'm sure we'll have more thoughts to elaborate on that day and, you know, what we witnessed. But ultimately, you know, we have no interest in being part of anyone's investigation and we don't have time for any of that crap either. And we frankly think it's uh, ridiculous that the FBI is being sent out to harass normal folks like us, you know, turning over every stone over this incident, you know, last January, yet they can't follow the leads on the Epstein case. They can't find all these missing kids. They, they, they can't track down who in the government is, is diddling with little kids. We just, we find that a little hard to believe, you know? Yeah, so that was, that was this yeah. week. Um, interesting week for us. Yeah, very interesting. And then uh, we'll just direct them really quick, too, to our last video, guys. So I want to bring that up real quick. Make sure you check out our last video. We put out a short video. It's about 10 minutes long. Um, we did this, we shot this on the 25th of May. Um, Brent and I and Caitlin took a stroll through Midtown Manhattan and we wanted to just document 
some of what the city looks like post lockdown to you know show all the business closures show if there's any turnover or not um just show how many people are on the street those, those sorts of things and we just wanted to document and have a sort of uh, a record of this you know and so people can see what's actually going on because i think a lot of people who don't live in cities don't really understand exactly what these lockdown policies have done to the city maybe they read about it but it's, it's one thing to read about it it's another thing to to see it with your own eyes you know yeah and this was a particularly interesting shot because you see between two closed businesses there's now a covid uh testing center it's ironic but it's almost you know it's symbolic too of <laughs> it's symbolic of what has happened to this place yeah you know so like closed restaurant for lease right next to Stephen yeah Colbert's right next to Stephen Stephen Colbert's late show so so but, yeah you can yeah. check this video out it's just you know it's short it's like 10 minutes of footage we went around Midtown West and we just shot yeah you know a lot of the uh, closing like yeah. a lot of the closed businesses you, you can see all the graffiti that's been added to the walls there's really no commentary honestly we just kind of wanted the footage to speak for itself and I think closed, if, if you look through closed. it and you read the signs I think the footage does speak for itself, and there isn't very much, I think, else so we have to say about it. The store that was closed, this whole strip right here, this yeah. used to be a small little strip of shops. Yeah, all shut down. Uh, this is on Ninth Avenue in the low 50s, and they're all boarded up, blastered up, shut down. Well, I use Ninth Avenue as a common example just because it's such a huge, like, restaurant area of the city like the food festival happens there every single year so if you walk down ninth avenue you can get a pretty good idea of just how bad the damage is economically and you'll see more than half like probably at least half those restaurants there are are closed so like look go check the video out watch it share it with other people show them you know show your family show your friends show them like this is what lockdown policies have done to the city right and they'll say, oh, it's the virus and the pandemic and all this stuff. It's like, no, it wasn't the virus. It wasn't the pandemic. It was the closures. Moving on. Yeah. So um, there was a small new development in the Epstein case. I just wanted to comment on it because we didn't have an opportunity yeah. to. Well, a lot of stuff happened so fast. Yeah, then. a lot of stuff happened. We've been in flux. And so I haven't had a chance to comment. But um, there was a little bit of a revelation with the Epstein prison guards. They basically admitted that they falsified their records and now on the face of it that sounds like that's sort of a pro conspiracy data point but it's actually not because what ended up happening was that they falsified their records so that or they said that they falsified their records uh, in such a way that it sort of confirms the official story that they were sleeping or shopping on Amazon they weren't paying attention they didn't check on him and they so they the records that they falsified were these 15 minute logs they were supposed to check on him every 15 minutes or something every five minutes I'm not sure what the exact time point was but they said that they falsified it and that they did not check on him and that was when you know he had the time to allegedly you know uh, finish himself but yeah. so the so they're using this to kind of play into the quote-unquote official narrative that Epstein killed himself. Yes, it's the, it says here they will skirt any time behind bars under a deal with federal prosecutors, authorities said Friday. So basically, they ended up, you know, confirming the official narrative, and because of it, they are avoiding any jail time. Hmm. Should be an that uh, that in and of itself is a very interesting data point, which suggests that they, uh, you know, they 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 are cooperating with the, yeah. the cover up. Yeah. So interesting point. I just wanted to mention it. Um, 
there's a lot going on with Bill Gates's Bill Gates's whole thing is becoming unraveled. This whole divorce now now Bill Gates is getting divorced. You'll notice Jeff Bezos got divorced uh, shortly before he stepped down uh, from Amazon and then got divorced. And now Bill Gates stepped down from Microsoft and he's getting divorced. Yeah. And one of the, the things, deal here, man? One of the things people are saying online is that had they not gotten divorced, and so when you get divorced, and if you don't have a prenup, um, you are forced to split up your assets. And yeah. one of the one of the assets, one of the major classes of assets in the case of Bill and Melinda, is a lot of stock. They have a lot of stock in Microsoft. So in order to split those assets, or in order to liquidate them, they get a divorce. Now. The thing is, had they not gotten divorced and they decided to liquidate the stock, that would ask a lot of questions. It would raise a lot of red flags. But since they're getting a divorce, it sort of creates this justification for this mass sell-off of stock, which under a normal case would draw a lot of attention, would draw a lot yeah. of questions. And it would probably also encourage other people to liquidate their stocks because people tend to follow the behavior of billionaires when it comes to the stock market. And so perhaps the reason for these divorces is not what the mainstream media is alleging that, you know, Melinda had some, uh, you know, pang of conscience due to... Yeah, I doubt that. I doubt that highly. Uh, some pang of conscience due to Bill's relationship with Epstein. Yeah. And that's the official Which narrative like that you, would you're be You're telling sold. me, like, you just found out about that, too? Like, all of a sudden now you're In like, 2019. Oh, yeah. So, like, it was a big thing about 2019 was when Melinda started visiting uh, divorce lawyers and it's just it just seems like you know that this is the official story this yeah. is the public reason but the private reason is actually very different so that's just an interesting little yeah. thing there yeah we discussed that on our last episode too with caitlin um yeah i also wanted to mention andrew cuomo getting yeah. five million from his book deal also on a in epstein's black book right uh no i couldn't find him or i don't know if it was cuomo, is cuomo? i don't know i'll have to look it up yeah um because i remember i think it was you who mentioned that that Cuomo was in the black book. Was it me or was it Caitlin? There's this nice little website called Epstein's Black And you can Love search. It. So yeah, it looks like Andrew Andrew is included. Yeah, he's in the black book. Uh, yeah. Andrew and Carrie Kennedy yeah. Cuomo. I mean, granted, I mean, we don't know what this means exactly. Obviously, Epstein had a lot of connections, and that doesn't mean all of these people were like diddling kids. But you have to wonder, right? You have to wonder if you pop up in this black book what your connections were with this guy yeah i guess yeah. that's i don't know it says here kennedy cuomo andrew and carrie right, yeah huh so i guess that's is his wife is he married to a kennedy i think andrew cuomo wife i haven't looked too much into his family to be honest i don't really know oh yeah carrie kennedy is she of the kennedy like, then dynasty? wife i guess they were they were together in 2000 maybe they divorced since then so, Como is married to Carrie Kennedy, the seventh child of Robert Kennedy. Ah, okay. So. Okay, so she was Bobby Kennedy's daughter. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, so, yeah, I guess that is him. So, he is included in the Black Book. Fascinating. Hmm. 
so yeah, that's just an interesting little aside, you know. And Andrew Cuomo still not accused of any crimes, at least officially. He hasn't been indicted for anything, even though there was a rather large scandal brewing around uh, sexual harassment allegations against him. Multiple women coming forward, but interestingly, there wasn't. So there was much more emphasis on that in the media than there was any discussion of his, uh, you know, putting COVID positive patients yeah. into nursing homes with with other, you know, old people who might be particularly susceptible to the dread cough. It's almost like one story was sort of used to cover up the other or divert attention away from the other. Hmm. Almost like. Yeah. So that was that. Uh, meanwhile, he made five million, cool five million off of his book deal. Uh, and it behooves one to like, how do you write a book while being a governor? You yeah. know, I've, how do you even have time in the middle of a quote unquote pandemic and crisis like to, to write a book about it? Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. Again, go watch that last video we put out. Go look at the footage of what Manhattan looks like. Manhattan. And that'll give you a good idea of probably, you know, what the rest of New York City is going through right now because of this guy's policies. He's a criminal. He's a criminal. They need to be exposed. Um, and then there's uh, been a major break in the uh, the uh, story regarding the origins of the dread cough. Ah, uh, Saint Fauci! Oh, how the mighty have fallen! So first of all, let me just give you guys a brief recap. Uh, this paper was published in Science on May 14th. Uh, it was published by a bunch of different scientists, and they basically came out and said that the uh, lab leak hypothesis is something that deserves investigation. It's mm -hmm. something that should be looked at. Which we've been saying for over a year and a half, almost. Uh, it says here that scientists with, relative expertise, with relevant expertise, we agree with a lot of people, that greater clarity about the origins of the dread cough is necessary and it's feasible to achieve. We must take hypothesis about, about both natural and laboratory spillovers seriously until we have sufficient data. A proper investigation should be transparent, objective, data-driven, inclusive of broad expertise, subject to independent oversight, and responsibly managed to minimize the impact of conflicts of interest, which is something that we've seen a lot of. Now the Fauci email leaks have dropped. Actually, I shouldn't say the email leaks because they weren't. They were, yeah. they were freedom of information uh, published. Well, I wanted to comment on that really quick too because it's just it's another good example of how the fact checkers aren't really there to correct facts. They're more there to, I think, divert people away from stories that they don't want people paying attention to and to make the stories more easily dismissed. So if you post a certain meme about this and your meme or post has the word leak in it, now a fact check label gets put on your post and directs you to a, you, I think it's a USA Today article correcting this misinformation of this dangerous conspiracy that these emails were leaked totally ignoring the contents of the emails themselves so they expect people to see that post they see the fact check and they go oh well it's just a conspiracy theory you know see the emails weren't leaked there's nothing damning in them right well just dismiss it a lot of people will see that and they will just move on they won't look deeper into the story so yes they weren't leaked but the point is, it's the contents of the emails we should be focusing on, not whether or not someone is saying they were leaked or released under Freedom of Information Act, yeah, nobody, which they were. Nobody's contesting the authenticity of yeah. these emails either. Yeah, that's the thing, is they'll put the fact check there just for that one word leak in there. But they're not themselves contesting the contents of the emails, are they? Because they can't, because they're there, and people see it for themselves, what's in the emails. 
And, you know, fact checkers can try to, like, dismiss that, but it's not going to work because they're factual, right? They're real emails. So then we see that from the Fauci emails, there was a damage control scramble after oh yeah um certain people after like zero hedge and other websites started to spotlight the the lab um the lab origin hypothesis back in you know this was i guess april and may of 2020. Yeah. so this when, was about when, a year when people ago. were being removed from social media so, and censored for talking about this there was uh, an article that came out that suggested that there were HIV-like insertions included in SARS-CoV-2. Wow. Um, the study, which was withdrawn, uh, uncanny similarity of unique inserts on the spike protein to the HIV-1, GP20, and GAG proteins, um, suggests that these, these unique insertions could not have occurred naturally. Yeah. Um, and so this was some of the, the prima facie, the, the very first evidence that was available that suggested that the, uh, the, the dread cough was conjured in a lab. And Fauci knew that there were some of these strange things, strange things being found, you know, with the virus. And in the email, he basically admits that, yeah, some of this looks like it was uh, man-made. <laughs> so. So it says the now withdrawn paper piqued the interest of several journalists, including Zero Hedge, whose account Twitter banned one day after they updated their coverage on the article, claiming that they had doxed a Chinese scientist in an earlier report, which is no. not true. Uh, thanks to Freedom of Information requests for Fauci's emails, we now know that the National Institutes of Health was not only aware of the report, but were actively discussing how to handle yep. it. They knew about it. January 31st email from AFP's, this is, that's a, uh, 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 associate associate free press or american free press um isam ahmed asks nih immunologist dr barney graham for comment i was told by a contact you may be willing to give an opinion on this paper that has just gone live it suggests that the new dread cough has four inserts very similar to hiv1 and this is not a coincidence reads the email hmm. graham immediately forwards the correspondence to the office of communications um and says, this is one we don't want to answer without high-level input, but wanted you to know about the rising controversy. So you can see here, as soon as a journalist asks this guy for comment, he kicks it up the chain of command mm -hmm. and says, uh, guys, we need to figure out some way to respond to this. Yeah. Two days later, Jennifer Ruth tells Graham that they're going to send a note to the reporter to decline, noting that the paper is not peer-reviewed. Please leave, let us know if you receive similar requests. So... They basically used the fact that the paper didn't get published in order to avoid commenting on it. And then that same Sunday morning, Fauci's looped in with Sir Jeremy Farrar forwarding Zero Hedge's article after mentioning how the World Health Organization director, um, not even going to try, and the organization's cabinet chief were in conclave ostensibly on how to manage the narrative, noting, quote, if they do prevaricate, <laughs> prevaricate is a word that means BS the public, <laughs> I would appreciate a call with you later tonight, tomorrow, to think about how we might take, how we might take forward. <laughs> do you have a minute for a quick call, Fauci replies, after having called the Indian paper really outlandish. <laughs> so... It's very interesting to see that the, the paper was quickly withdrawn by its authors and that any notion that, that the dread cough could have been man-made was rendered radioactive for a while. Yeah, you couldn't touch it, man. You could not touch it. They will remove you 
from these major platforms if you even like suggest it. That and the only reason we're even daring to discuss yeah. it now is because the the radioactivity has gone away. This yeah. would normally this this previously would have been a you know Rumble or website exclusive yeah. section, but because we have seen other folks talking about this. Uh, including major channels, uh, alternative yeah. and mainstream. Well, did you see uh, JP Sears? JP Sears' recent video it was really funny. I have not seen it. He starts off the video with just like, "Oh, so we're allowed to talk openly about this guy now? Oh, okay, here we go." Because <laughs> it's like it's been over a year and we were not allowed to openly talk about this. We were called crazy conspiracy theorists. We were dismissed. We had friends defriend us and, and, and cut us out of their lives and stuff because they were calling us grandma killers and, and how dare we question the origin of the virus how dare we question the government's motivations behind locking everything down and all the things that have followed as a result of this and now you know we're basically sort of vindicated all these people like us who were talking about this we were correct you know and are we going to get any apologies from the people who shamed us and, and attacked us and probably not and I'm not holding my breath for them either but yeah, and then there's an interesting quote from this guy, uh, former MI6 head Sir Richard Dearlove, believes that he believed that the dread cough was man-made, uh, because it contained inserted sections, and that there was some sort of uh, accidental escape yeah. from a lab. Yeah, and even that is disputable. You know, is it accidental? Is it not? Was it accidental? Was we don't know. You know, like know. like the the Dr. McCullough book that I started reading on the truth behind COVID-19, they lean more towards the hypothesis that it was accidentally leaked, just because a lot of these uh, laboratories tend to have you know, bad protocol when it comes to that stuff. But, you know, I don't know, man. I don't put hey, it what's, past. What's the saying? It's uh, do not attribute to malice, that which yeah. can be explained by incompetence. And then the corollary, of course, is my favorite version. Do not explain, or do not explain, or what is it? It's, uh, don't don't use incompetence as an explanation when psychopathic malice is a potential explanation because he, there were a lot of people that benefited, a lot yeah. of people so that benefited like, you from could this say, lockdown. Sure, it got out accidentally, but when you really look at it, you're like, well, you know, I wouldn't put it past certain types of people who might not have a conscience to have released this intentionally to you know create all types of and again the timing chaos. the timing was very conspicuous oh, the election all of that stuff it right was like, you know right as the run-up in the run-up to the election and enabled them to change the rules last minute it avoided it was, a lot of critical analysis of the epstein affair yep. because it buried that in, story you know in 2019 in, in late 2019 and early 2020 you know epstein you know people forget epstein was found uh you know found dead in his cell that august of 2019 mm -hmm. and so not even four short months yeah. or six short months later bam they lock everything down you have these yeah. this whole crazy event yeah. which totally changes everything about our yeah, society i remember too at the beginning of the lockdowns and the pandemic is was when they dropped um filthy rich on netflix as well that was when that documentary series on epstein came out it was around that time so I mean, I hope everyone being, like, sent to their homes to stay inside made more people watch that. But I don't know. I have a feeling most people were concerned about watching the COVID numbers on their television than they were watching this documentary series about Epstein on Netflix while the this world was This is just an interesting out, data you know? point here, too. The Australian government canceled further development of a particular cough vaccine uh, in December after several of the trial participants had false positive tests for HIV. 
Yeah. Those reliable tests, you know. Well, it's just interesting because, you know, it it sort of goes to the point that there may have been insertions made into this, you know, that clearly could not have occurred naturally. And then uh, more recently, two European virologists said that they found genetic fingerprints, which prove that the virus came from, you know, a lab. And these are the emails here. Uh, British professor Angus Daglish best known for creating the world's first uh, vaccine against HIV, and the Norwegian virologist Dr. Birger Sorensen, mm-hmm. a chair of a pharmaceutical company, Immunor, who has published 31 peer-reviewed papers and holds several patents, wrote that while analyzing virus samples last year, the pair discovered unique fingerprints in the form of six inserts created through gain-of-function research, uh, allegedly at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, possibly also at Fort Detrick in Maryland. We did not fund gain-of-function Research. Yeah, yes. that was funny. So Fauci, Fauci Fauci was grilled by Rand Paul not too recently. It was recently. lovely. And he repeated emphatically that, that we did not fund gain of function research. That he, he was lied responsible. Under which oath. was a lie a under lie. oath. And you know, we won't we won't expect him to be held accountable oh, for, of course his, not. for his lies. Of course not. Um, but basically the evidence is in and there was a it was this through this company <laughs> called EcoHealth, they found out that they were they to the tune of like thirty nine million or something over a couple of years they had funded this uh, this lab, and this just gives you a sh- an idea of what um, you know people were saying as recently as the end of March, so that that the the, the turning really happened in mid May with that publishing and that paper in Science because that paper in Science really forced it legitimized this yeah. because a lot of the people who were signed on to it were very like top of their field they were well respected and they couldn't just dismiss these people uh and, and call them kooks and crazies which is basically what they're doing to everybody else or what yeah. they were doing what they were doing well right. they're going to continue doing it with certain other things but now you can talk about this now but because you it's, here, it's a cat's is, out of the bag and you just they can't as, hide it anymore uh, just so. as recently at the end of march they they were calling it something out of a comic book yeah uh, on CNN, which just goes to show how how crazy you know they 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 gaslight and attack yeah. people who present anything outside the official narrative, and now the official narrative is forced to adapt because it's no longer being tenable. And remember how trustworthy CNN is, you know. Remember how much they love to give you the truth, and how much they just love to you know make sure people are well informed about what's going on. Ask Charlie Chester. Right. I'm going to keep name dropping that guy because I want more people to look that up. If you don't know about it yet, look it up. Google Charlie Chexer um, and Project Veritas. Just go watch it. Go watch that. Go watch that leak. This was another funny uh, piece that along the lines of uh, about the emails that there was a scientist, a Chinese whistleblower, that warned that China was lying about the number of COVID deaths. And Fauci was just like, uh, well, that email was just too long for me to read. <laughs> Yeah, I like to have some of the media. They're trying to, they're trying to like paint him too as like this like endearing figure. Like, oh, look at Fauci. He cares so much. He's answering all these emails. He takes all this time out of his day to answer all these emails. Oh, Fauci, he just cares so much. Ridiculous. Um, anyway, so I wanted to another thing I want to bring up before we move on, and I I'm going to bring it up just because I mentioned Project Veritas, so this is a good segue into it. Were the recent leaks about Facebook? which I found really, really fascinating. So apparently, and I wrote a really funny uh, post about this on on Instagram. 
Well, on Facebook, and I posted so it on you Instagram. Want, do you want to say what the uh, I'm going to read my post, so I <laughs> is what I said, and it did really well. People found this pretty funny. I said, I love that Project Veritas has leaks of Facebook meetings about what to do with employees who leak Facebook meetings to Project Veritas. Daniel, nobody knows what you're talking about if they don't know what you're talking about. So recently there was a, a whistleblower from Facebook who released documents showing that there was a concerted effort in Facebook to censor or, I don't know if censor is the correct word, but to lessen vaccine hesitancy among Facebook users, right? By giving them a, what was it, like a score? Like a hesitancy score? Yeah, they gave it a, score. they called it a VH score. Yeah, like a VH score. So to, to mark which users are more hesitant and which users are not more hesitant, and then to have a special protocol, right, to try to reduce the hesitancy so more people will go out and get the shot. So a whistleblower, you know, felt this was wrong. It was a manipulation of people's, you know, feelings and, and of information. So he leaked this to, to uh, Project Veritas. They put the um, <laughs> the meeting out, and then he got fired. They found out it was him, and he got fired. So Project Veritas started to rally around and to uh, raise money for him, which is awesome. But then they released, <laughs> I think it was yesterday, the day before, another video of another Facebook meeting in which they are discussing what to do about whistleblowers who leak their private meetings. So to here they have the Project quotes: Veritas. Heidi Schwartz, <laughs> Facebook Vice President, Deputy General Counsel, Employment and Law Investigations. Project Veritas, she says, Project Veritas released a video last week alleging that they had uncovered a new effort to censor vaccine concerns globally. It was based on leaked documents about health integrity program that we have in place that combats vaccine hesitancy by taking a hard stance against vaccine information, uh, misinformation. <laughs> this isn't a new effort. This is a program we've proudly spoken about in our blog. Uh, she continues, uh, leakers threaten our open culture. Right. As <laughs> That's such an ironic sentence. I'm it is. Sorry. It's very ironic. Leakers threaten our open culture. Right. It's like how, uh, well, if, if there's a leaker, then obviously your culture it's not is not open. That Clearly open. you're sitting here discussing things you don't want. It's like she has no self-awareness. Released to people. They um, do. They just, I don't think they care. You know? So that makes it harder for us to achieve our goals. Interesting. Yeah. Right? They generally encourage more leaks. I know some people here feel that there are good leaks and bad leaks, but they're all damaging. Right. They're not right in the way to bring about change, especially at a company like this. Right. So whistleblowers are bad. Leaks never bring about change. You know, the Pentagon Papers never happened. WikiLeaks, none of that ever happened. Let's just, yep. None of it ever happened. And then she says, when we find leakers, which we often do, we have zero tolerance, so that means we fire them. We're also continuing to investigate additional potential leakers. So this is not even like people who have leaked but people that they think may leak yeah. based on other bad potential leak. leakers so thought crime yeah. basically and we plan to take action there too yeah. so now if they just suspect you if you're yeah. a facebook employee and they suspect that you might yeah. be a leaker facebook thought crime so yeah so they they might take yeah. action they might preemptively fire somebody for things that they suspect you might do because of things that you've said otherwise um we're also working to ramp up our investigative techniques she says and then Zuckerberg says, you know, when people leak stuff, do we find them? I've been clear that we have a number of efforts to find people and we terminate people and pursue the recourse that we have when we identify them. Uh, we also need to be very good at rooting out people who are leaking stuff. Yeah. You know, I think over the last year there have been more leaks than I think all of us would have wanted. I'm sure. But we also find a lot of the folks <laughs> and terminate them. And it was funny because they, they had this... 
they had this video. Yeah, and they, they leaked a video, leaked video of them talking about what leaks. to do with people so who clearly leak. they still have they still have a leaky problem. <laughs> they still have a leaky problem. I just I love it. I think it's so funny and you know, I shout out again to Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. Like that guy has the biggest balls in the world right now. It's like and this is to me is like the ultimate form of like truth telling but also like trolling. <laughs> Yeah, it's very interesting. It's like like you leak their you leak their stuff, and then you leak their stuff in which they're talking about you leaking their stuff. It's just it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So that's just a little aside into what's going on in Facebook land. Yeah. Um, this was an interesting article. This came out May thirteenth, and it was all about virtue signaling, and this like weird, bizarre trend of people like taking these like vaccine selfies. I don't or, get like, it. Don't wearing a mask it. in their avatar like i've seen people with like cartoon avatars on twitter who have like a mask on their it's cartoon so avatar freaking weird i don't understand it man <laughs> just like you realize that like it doesn't actually help if your cartoon <laughs> avatar is wearing a mask right like it doesn't it doesn't do anything other than other than tell the world that you are a mask uh mask acolyte or a fauci disciple did you see that one tweet by zuby though he it's like from last month but he said uh, <laughs> He said, if you have pronouns in your bio and a mask on in your display pic, then I frankly don't care about your opinion on anything. Yeah. I'd rather talk to a toddler. They're less predictable and more capable of individual thought. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's true, you know, and it's, look, I'm not going to, you know, knock any of my friends who have pronouns in their bios or anything like that or, you know, a mask pic, but... The point he's making here, I think, is, you know, if you go on Twitter and you try to interact with some of these cult of wokeness people and these branch Covidians, you'll see nine times out of ten the ones who attack you vehemently, who call you all these names, who who just get so worked up and upset about this when you question these things, typically will have a mask profile pic or an anime character and pronouns in their bio. And also they'll list all of their mental illnesses in their bio, too, because somehow those are now identities as well. I don't know. Weird. Weird. Uh, and so, anyway, um, let's see. I just wanted to mention this story because it kind of slipped slipped under the radar. Um, this was from 120 retired military officers who wrote that President Joe Biden, uh, they, they, they think that his... Um, Winning was was not great. Winning. <laughs> <laughs> what excuse you? Uh, sorry, they're, they're, excuse you. So there are other things that you can't say on YouTube. That not great. Not been, winning. As far as I've been, as, as far as I know, I, the rules regarding this, this particular thing have is, not changed. Has yet. not changed. Yeah. So I'm not going to say anything that could potentially get the channel struck. Yes, nevertheless, or, or lead or lead the FBI to show up at her door. Again. <laughs> well, whatever. Because you're not allowed to question this, guys. You cannot question the election. If you do, you know you're an insurrectionist or whatever the hell it is. Just you know, totally legitimate, most secure anyway, election. I ever. just wanted to mention this story because I thought it was interesting. Because a hundred and more than a hundred and twenty from signed this letter of of open letter from retired generals and That's admirals. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of former high military people, you know, who would be in a position to judge maybe the mental fitness of the president. Yeah. Um, well, that is clearly in question. I think whether you're a Biden supporter or not, if you are not currently questioning the mental fitness of the president, you are in absolute denial. 
you are because any anyone you know with half a half a brain or a firing neuron can just watch one speech from that guy and they'll be able to see he's not all there you know well in one of the moon he had like a recent speech too i might be able to pull it up but where biden basically said that the greatest threat to america was from white supremacy and white supremacists oh did you hear also that we we are born with lawyers and attorneys brent because we're white Oh yes, yeah. I, I still haven't gotten my yeah. my free white privilege yeah. attorney. And I'm waiting for mine too. Like so, if somebody yeah. could make sure that they reach out and contact yeah. me. And according to Biden, you know, if you're if you're of darker complexion, I guess you're you just can't have a lawyer or an attorney. You're or just a banker. too dumb or too much of a failure. You know, I guess black entrepreneurs just can't get lawyers. They just don't know how. You know, that's why so they're not doing so. Well. He's got this kind of crazy idea that white supremacy is the biggest problem. It's like, just crazy. It's actually, more like mental health it is and specifically psychopathic oligarchs with unlimited money yeah but i digress but the thing is like like the comment i just said about the attorneys and and the accountants we all know if a certain other guy well, had said that you have to explain that though you know people, people didn't if a certain other point. guy had said that well but the, so he basically biden said something along the lines of you know that, that African Americans don't have the attorneys and don't have bankers, they don't have all these things that allegedly like that white business owners have. Which is just it's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's from Washington Examiner. Critics I mean, slam Biden after he says I'm black. Sure there are plenty of black yeah. business owners that have lawyers and bankers and yeah. you know Critics slam Biden after he says black entrepreneurs just as capable as white people but don't have lawyers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's I just, I can't with this one, man. I can't. I'm trying to find the remarks. He says, the data shows young black entrepreneurs are just as capable as succeeding given the chance as white entrepreneurs are, but they don't have lawyers. They don't have, they don't have accountants, but they have great ideas, Biden says. Yeah. So yeah, all my black friends out there, you know, I hope you guys get some lawyers and accountants, you know. Because that's all you need. Because that's all you need to succeed. And I'm still waiting for my white privileged lawyer, too, to be assigned to me. So along the lines of Biden fumbles, we still have a major crisis at the border. This <laughs> is from June 2nd. There was a viral video about a five-year-old migrant boy who was seen screaming and wailing at the border that's after traffickers dropped him uh, on the other side. And, you know, eventually it says a woman who abandoned him briefly returned to him. But then ultimately he leaves him by himself, and he was later picked up by U.S. Border wow. Patrol. Wow. But it's just it just goes to show like this, and this is just one yeah. example. But like literally, plane loads of illegal immigrants and minors are being relocated around the U.S. in the middle of the night. And it's not going to help them, man. I know a lot of the people who support this stuff; they do it with like good intentions, and but this is from Judicial Watch uh, on May twenty-first. Uh, 2021, in an apparent effort to avoid public scrutiny, the Biden administration is transporting, transporting plane loads of illegal immigrant minors in the middle of the night and then busing them to cities in the southeast. Even members of Congress representing the impacted districts are being kept in the dark about the covert operations, and the Defense Department is contracting big tour buses to move the migrants to nearby states once they land, presumably from the southern border to region. The alarming details are featured in a well-sourced news report broadcast by a Tennessee media outlet this week. The segment, an accompanying article, features videos of planes arriving at Chattanooga private, air, private jet terminal called the Wilson Air Center. Adolescents who appear to be in their early teens are seen deboarding the planes carrying matching bags and then boarding large tour buses parked on the wrong way. So, 
uh, it just shows that there are a lot of these kids. They're Man. they're officially being Man. called unaccompanied alien children. And where are they? And where are they ending up? You know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, Hashtag where are the kids. Approximately you know? thirty to fifty of these kids are transported on each bus, according to a source. Some are reunited with family, other go to taxpayer-funded group homes. The source says in the news story that the operation began in Dallas, but was recently moved to small airports to avoid attention. Um, oh, I'm sure they really want to avoid attention on this one. Yeah, and then it says, unfortunately, Virtual the science. American public cannot obtain details about the arrangement. Has, uh, has Biden or Kamala visited the border yet? Uh, not to my knowledge. Oh, they have not. Oh, interesting. Very curious, Brent. <laughs> well, because they don't want attention. Of course, because they know if they go there, the media is going to follow them there. And the last thing they want is for the spotlight to go there. Um, and just a couple. I had these stories pulled up, and I just want to mention them before we move on. Um, this was a young model, Stephanie Dubois, 39, who died from a very rare blood clot wow. after getting a... Jab, jab in yeah. Cyprus, uh, and I believe the jab was from the uh, AstraZeneca brand. Yeah, so um, thirty-nine passed away. Much around your age, right? It's a little yeah, older than yeah, a little older than me. And uh, I had Sad another man. one Sad. too. This one, Lisa Shaw. Um, they're investigating. This is from May twenty-seventh. Whether or not her death had anything to do with the genetic jab, coroner will consider if the cause of the BBC presenter large, uh, Lisa Shaw's death might have been complicated by her having the same, the AstraZeneca version of the genetic jab. She was 44 years old and also had blood clots. So yeah, Got to reduce that hesitancy, though, you know, guys? You know, we can't be sharing this stuff because people might become hesitant, and you don't want them to become hesitant to get And the there's jab. been a lot of, a lot of uh, protest and a lot of hullabaloo against these uh, passports yeah. that people, you know, a lot of people are clamoring for some sort of proof of status, of vaccination status. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people are very vocally against it. Because, Which they should be. Well, yeah. it's, you know, it's, people have their, you know, their reasons for being one way or another. But um, it's just interesting to see a lot of protest. It's good to see a lot of people coming out against it. There's hardly any coverage of this, though. You know, there's there's a, like yes. a media silence see. about what's going on in London. You and the anti-lockdown, you know, movement there has been big. It's been huge. People are, are tired of it. They're sick of it. You know, you have the UK government telling people they can't freaking hug each other. I see a know? lot of people. I don't think I see any masks in this crowd. Of course, because these are the people who realize that it's... It's careful, careful. Yeah, okay. yeah I won't even say it. There. I won't even say it because if careful. I say it, if I say it, Don't Orwellian get a strike on the channel. Yes, Orwellian tube will come after us. Orwell well. tube. Orwell tube. You know. So Orwell Graham. Orwell tube. Great Orwell to see book. people. And this is funny because yeah. they are already um, trying to push back the. Uh, they're calling it in the UK the Freedom Day. June twenty first is when they're going to. Uh, officially end the sort of uh, lockdown stuff over there and they're already trying to delay it to push course. it back to avoid reopening yeah, moving the goalposts you know doing there's a lot year of, and a half a lot of hullabaloo about this indian variant um but again <laughs> it, it just seems to be a, a, a much ado about nothing this is from may 31st so another uh, today is the sixth for reference. Yeah, I saw about a week ago. I saw this video. I think it was like last week. It was an Indian guy. He was like right in the middle of like New Delhi or something, and he's like on the street recording himself. He's like, "Hey, just recording from India. Wanted to tell you guys like we're fine over here, right? People aren't dropping dead left and right." And he shows like the street everywhere. He's like, "We're fine, you know." 
<laughs> don't believe the media. Don't believe what the Western media is saying to you. We're fine. You know, so make of that what you will. <laughs> they hype this stuff up. Of course, they're they're probably dying for another strain to mutate, and I'm sure they'll cook one up in the freaking lab if it doesn't. Um, and also, and while we're on the subject of the the dread cough, there's been a lot of interesting developments regarding the spike protein. Can we talk about this now? I well, you can't talk about it on Twitter, but as far as I know, you can talk about it on YouTube because this okay. video is still up. It is still up. Yeah. So, so if YouTube wants to strike us, we're gonna be like, hey, well, we're referencing this doctor here. Yeah. Well, this so. doctor, Doctor Byron Bridal. Um, you can see. You guys can listen to this. I'm not gonna play it here. It's about. A, it's a little over eight minute clip. And he talks about the pathogenicity of the spike protein and how the spike protein itself can cause uh, disease symptoms. And cough-like this symptoms. is this is a problem because the genetic jabs that are being given are uh, they they encourage your body to produce the spike protein and then they shed so that you're so that you can uh, so that you can. Uh, ostensibly generate antibodies against it <clears throat> however it's not clear uh, how how far the it's it's not supposed to go from farther than the tissue in your arm but now some scientists are saying that it does move farther from your arm that it can be systemic and that it can produce a lot more of this spike protein than is necessary for just a, a simple antibody response and the problem there is that you will get the symptoms of the dread cough disease because the because of the problems caused by the spike protein and now um, yeah that's a big that's a bit of, of, of a problem um, he did not get into the S word, and you should be very careful about saying that because that's something that can get the probably the can still get the video pulled if you suggest that the genetic jabs could be um, transmitting anything pathogenic. Huh. So don't use that S word. Yeah. So we can't even talk about the possibility. Nope. 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 Gotcha. Gotcha. There's All no. Right. As far as I know, there's no evidence for that anyway. Yeah. That's just rumor, as far as I know. Anyway, at this point. Um. So that was interesting, and it's something we should be aware of, and it's one reason why people who are fragile may not want to consider getting the genetic jab, because you could end up with symptoms that could, you know, do you in or something. Isn't that enough to flag this video, what you just said? Remember, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to suggest any alternative to the jab. I didn't suggest an alternative. I said that may it, not it want may be something to. you want to consider if you have particular whatever. Got you. I'm anyway, just saying, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Moving on. Dangerous territory here. Um, Dangerous territory. So should we talk about BLM? Uh, we can talk or do you want to talk about UFOs first? Um, let's talk about that that uh, professor at Yale. Oh, her? Yeah. Let me find her. That was crazy. Apparently, uh, you know, we're racist for not eating bread. So that's, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so this lady, this lady, Dr. Aruna Kilananani. Let me try it. Aruna Kilanani. Kilanani. Who runs her own practice in Manhattan, delivered a talk virtually to medical students and faculty back in April after being invited by Yale School of Medicine's Child Study Center. Audio of her 50-minute lecture was published on journalist Barry Weiss' Substack blog on Friday. And she said some kind of crazy oh, stuff. Oh, God, the stuff this wasn't frog meant. Uh, like, where's <clears throat> I mean, we're going to have to, like, we're probably going to have to, like, paraphrase some of what she said because we're probably not uh, yeah, even I don't allowed think you to can. say it on YouTube. But let me try to paraphrase this, one of the things she Here, said. Here, try doing this one. She said, I had fantasies of unloading a... Bang, bang. A bang, bang. 
into the head of any white person that got in my way, burying their body and wiping my bloody hands as I walked away relatively guiltless with, with a, a bounce, bounce in, in my step. step. Like, right? like I did the world an effing baby. That's what she said. Woo! That's what she said. We're not saying that. That's Woo! what she said. Right? She and went on to say <laughs> that she went on to say that white people feel they are being bullied when people of color bring up race and described it as a quote psychological predicament. <laughs> she said, quote, they feel that we should be thanking them for all that they have done for us. They are confused and so are we. We keep forgetting that directly talking about race is a waste of our breath, she said. So which is it? Do you want to have these discussions or not? You know. <laughs> and then she further, you know, negatively stereotypes all white people yeah. by saying we are asking a demented violent predator this is how she describes white all, people. White, all people. white people demented violent predator who thinks that they are a saint or superhero to accept responsibility it ain't gonna happen they have five holes in their brain it's like banging your head against a brick wall it's just <laughs> sort of not a good idea what was that one uh, tweet you saw it was like uh, you know say you got dumped by a white guy without saying oh you yeah got somebody somebody had retweeted an article about this I think it's DC Drano on Instagram actually what's crazy though is like shout when, out to DC underscore Drano yeah when I read this too like I pictured her darker like I was picturing her like quite black you know really owning that and then I go and I pull this up and I'm like you're one of the really like light-skinned Indian people like I just, I just find it so ironic it's like girl you don't have that much melanin in your skin either so I don't know why you're talking all this shit it's funny man yeah but it's very dude, bizarre this this is the type of crap that is in the education system right now and this is Yale like she was allowed to give this lecture at Kilanani who has previously taught at Cornell, Cornell Columbia, Columbia and New York universities all of which she called racist by the way except NYU she said wasn't that racist but Cornell was racist Columbia was racist you know despite the fact that you taught there right and you got a position there at some of these most prestigious educational institutions in in the West but they're, they're just all racist, you know? There's no way around that. Yeah, and it, it behooves me, you know, do you think that somebody also brought up uh, on one of the, I think it was on TimCast, it's like, do you think that she graded her white students fairly? Yeah, <laughs> probably not. I also, I hate how she re, she's trying to steal the P word here when you said it was like projection, right? Yeah, so I, the, I thought it was projection. The title of her paper her is, talk. her talk is, quote, the psychopathic problem of the white mind. <laughs> projection much because keep in mind just you know this is a woman who had we had just who in her talk yeah just talked about killing people talks about you know killing yeah. somebody and how she would enjoy enjoy it, it. and not feel any guilt yes. which is a psychopathic, psychopathic trait yes so projection projection you know. perhaps yeah. is, is is this doctor lady maybe giving us a glance yeah. behind the veil of her own yeah. psychology who knows because we do Absolutely. know that psychopaths can be women although it is very yeah. rare and they can come from any race they can come, come from, from any race, any race. Um, although they do occur more commonly in some races than others in tribal primitive peoples they tend to occur very infrequently well there could be a genetic component too and that's one of the things that you know Robert Hare was looking at in his research is you know how genetic is this and can you can you have a concentration of psychopaths yeah, and say and there's a occurs, lot of intermixing you know it occurs among men it, that think it's like a 10 to 1 ratio 10 times more there are male psychopaths than women 
Well, I think part of that too is like there could be as much women, but I don't think they get caught as often, and they're, they're not as aggressive. They're less likely to be aggressive. It's possible. We don't know. Yeah. This area of research is still very fresh. It you is know? fresh. We only started researching psychopathy in the mid 20th century. It's not yeah. even 100 years old. And most of the research done on the topic is done on the quote unquote failed psychopaths, or the meaning the people the, that have been in prison, the ones who have gotten caught. caught. Right. And Robert Hare also talks about that. And he points it out because it's important to remember that when, you know, he's studying the subject, his test group is very limited to just those people who who got caught. You know, it doesn't address the psychopaths who say operate. He says it as like on the shady side of the law, meaning who do things that are obviously without conscience. Right. They could, I don't know, like drain drain all your money and your resources or latch on to a romantic partner and use them or something right things that are on the shady side of the law but are still psychopathic they lack a conscience right but they're technically not illegal so the number could be higher than we think but they are a small portion of the population but the damage they inflict on society is disproportionate to that number and that's why it's an important subject you know yeah, and she goes on to say things like, um, "Oh yeah, the bread. Bring up the bread comments." I don't. Well, first of all, I don't have that in front of me, but she described white people as being it. quote out of their minds and saying that they make her blood boil. She says this is the cost of talking to white people at all. She says they cost your own life as they suck you dry. Wow. There are no good apples out there. White people make my blood boil. This wow. is just straight yeah. racism. Yeah. Take take the word white and replace it with another race there and see how that sentence sounds to you. Yeah, and you if know? it sounds racist, then it's still it's racist. probably racist. Just because white people happen to be the majority population in the West does not mean that yeah. you cannot be racist against Look, them. if you go to China, you don't think you're going to have any discrimination against you if you're not Asian, if you're not Chinese? Oh, the Chinese don't even like certain other Asians. Exactly. Well, one, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about this the other day, and I was like trying to think of a really good tweet, but I couldn't like quite compose it. But basically, it's like... There are people in every race who are capable of racism against people of another race as well as people of their own race. And I know because I've seen it. I see it all the time. You know, There are black people who are racist against other fellow black people for not being black enough, right? Or vice versa. You know, It's just people are capable of it in any race. You could be racist against another. But, you know, the, the critical race theorist people and the woke cult, they're trying to take the definition and expand it and change it and power plus privilege and all that stuff. Only white people can be racist because it's systemic and et cetera, et cetera. But are we going to go to China and say they have systemic racism there if I can't get as far as a Chinese person because I'm white? It's like these issues are nuanced, you know, and people don't want to acknowledge the nuances there. They they want to stick to their own ideological camp. Yeah, and apparently she got mad because Yale did not release the footage publicly. And they only yeah. released it internally for other Yale students. And she's posted a series of TikToks in the last week claiming that the school is concealing it because they're trying to protect white privilege or something. Right. Not uh, because it's racist. Not but. because it's racist, aggressive, violent nonsense. Yeah, and this woman's a freaking psychiatrist and a psychoanalyst. It sounds yeah. like she needs a psychiatrist herself. Specialized in expertise in treating treat specialized in expertise in treating race, gender, sex, artists, and whiteness. Whiteness. I'm treating, pretty sure that's not even a that's like not even a sentence. Treating whiteness. 
that's how that's how they look at it like like to be white is like a sickness a disease that that must be treated right the the white mind is psychopathic and it must be must be dealt with treated rehabilitated where have we heard talk like this before you know it's crazy it's crazy man it's crazy but it's also kind of funny nothing on the bread comments there no they, they didn't even mention is, that so this is the day this is a daily <laughs> mail article about it so like she gave a she gave an interview to Katie Herzog for Substack and that's where but there's not posting a link to the, the Katie Herzog interview. This is where she talked about bread. Apparently if you avoid bread that's like a, a trait of whiteness. Yeah, okay, I, I found it. I found it. Um, so this is from the interview. The interviewer says, "Let's talk about your practice. You've mentioned that you treat a lot of white people and you treat whiteness. What is the distinction between the two?" And she says, the professor, I wouldn't say there is a distinction. For example, for white women, I do help a lot with passive aggressiveness, not being able to use their voice, say things, feeling like there will be a negative consequence. White people have an intense level of guilt. I have never seen a level of guilt that I see among white people. It's almost like you want that. I mean, white people don't eat bread. Think about that. There have been wars all over the world over grains and bread, and only here white people are depriving themselves. <laughs> Think about that shit. Everyone has this gluten allergy, and you're like, what the F is a gluten allergy? That's a psychosomatic symptom. If you actually talk to a GI doctor, they're going to say, well, there's celiac and there's everything else, with a wink. And you know what the everything else is. It's all the guilty gluten people. <laughs> The interviewer goes on. She says, sure, there are a lot of white people who don't eat bread, although I am not one of them. I exclusively eat bread, and I'm also skeptical of some claims of gluten intolerance. But my assumption has always been that they're just buying into a pseudoscientific BS and following health trends. You think it's white guilt? She, st she says, on an emotional level, absolutely. Like if I raise an eyebrow at a white person around bread, the first response is like, it's real. What does that mean? They mean it's not psychological. Interviewer says, right, it's a medical issue, not a mental one. She continues, I don't deny that people make it symptoms, but how is it that all these people suddenly now, after all the violence has occurred, are not eating bread? It's like the weirdest effing thing. Interviewer, but what does bread have to do with violence? <laughs> What's the connection there? She asks. The professor says, I think the bread is about guilt and needing to keep them in a state of deprivation and stay guilty. I have celiac disease, <laughs> so I actually have an autoimmune response I'm sorry, to I'm the gluten up. proteins in bread. This is funny to me. This and is funny. That's, that's verified with my doctor. Yeah. I've had the positive but, test result. But Brent, it's, test. it's because you feel guilty. It's not because you have celiac disease. It's because you're racist and you feel guilty, so you don't want to eat the bread because you just feel bad about it. Because you know? that makes total sense. It makes total sense. This woman is batshit crazy. Off her rocker, man. Off her rocker. All right, let's move on. I think we've she's talked about her enough. She's a snowflake. Yes, she's a snowflake. So we wanted to give a, another shout-out in the show to Tom McDonald, who we are a fan of. I'm he's not going to play it because I'll get in trouble. Copyright music. Copyright. But Tom McDonald is a Canadian-American Canadian -American rapper. Um again we we love his music we think he's freaking clever 2.7 million yes. views on this video yes. and it's been out for two days Just two days and we love him so much because tom is independent and i personally admire this so much as a musician myself that 
Tom does everything himself. You know, he he's his own manager. He's just his producer. You know, it's just him and his girlfriend is his team, and they produce all these awesome music videos, and they're just visually stunning, and all his beats are awesome. Like his bars are on point. Like he's he's a very talented rapper, and he's saying a lot of this stuff that goes against the political correctness narrative, the cult of wokeness, and he's ruffling a lot of feathers, pissing a lot of people off. But we love this new video, Snowflakes, and we love it because it features our favorite trans women, Blair White. Blair White. Shout out to Blair White. We love you. Man, when she took that mask off in the video, I lost my shit. I was like, yes, Blair White. It was so unexpected. It was unexpected, but look, it's making that statement. It's showing, like, look, not all conservatives are one way and not all liberals are another way. Just because someone is trans, you can't even assume they're they're liberal anymore. Because, look, people like Blair White exist. Right, and they and they do agree with a lot of the positions that we're talking about in regards to the cult of wokeness. They they think this stuff is absurd, it's gone out of hand, right? But people like Blair White get ostracized by the left, they get called all these terrible names, right, that normally we would be like, Oh, that's transphobic. You know, they're she's called a turf, she's called this, she's called that. It doesn't matter. The point is she's a trans woman, right? And if we're supposed to make space for all voices who are minorities her voice counts too right so does candace owens so does any conservative from you know a minority group group that you may not want to listen to or dismiss because they don't align with your views so her popping up in this video i think is a big kind of like punch in the face to the cult of wokeness and showing them like look we we have trans allies too we have people here who who are seeing the same things we're seeing and are tired of it you know we we want i mean <clears throat> we don't want nationalism i'm not a nationalist but there's definitely something wrong here where people are being indoctrinated to just totally hate the country and to want to destroy it to burn it down to wreck it and i don't see that as helping i don't see that as changing anything for the better you know it just creates a void of power vacuum so yeah and as this uh blm leader who just recently came out saying that you know he resigned yeah. after he learned the ugly truth as an insider yeah he was uh, one of the, the founders in saint paul minnesota um his name is richard turner and he was one of the founders of uh, black lives matter chapter in saint paul and he quit after he learned the ugly truth about being inside you know he says uh, where is it? After a year on the inside, I learned they had little concern for rebuilding black families. They cared even less about improving the quality of education for students in Minneapolis. That was made clear when they publicly denounced charter schools alongside the teachers union. I was, in, I was an insider in Black Lives Matter, and I learned the ugly truth. The moratorium on charter schools does not support rebuilding the black family, but it does create barriers to a better education for black children. I resigned from BLM after a year and a half, but I didn't quit working to improve black lives and access to greater education. Mm. So there you have it, folks, from the horse's mouth, from somebody who had founded a BLM chapter and been inside for a year and a half. You know, they are not about improving the lives of black people. They are accruing power unto themselves and wealth unto themselves uh, to the tune of $90 million. Yeah. And look at Miss Mansions. Miss Mansions, man. Yeah, this one says the foundation received more than 90 million in donations wow. last year, despite the movement being splintered by ongoing feuds. Wow. Um, the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation announced a massive influx of money late Tuesday, the very first time BLM has disclosed its finances in its nearly eight-year history. With $8.4 million in expenses and $21 million committed to local chapters, the group ended 2020 with an approximate balance of $60 million, it said in its impact statement. 
Anyone want to give me $60 million? That'd be nice. <laughs> I'm still waiting for my white privilege to give me $60 million. Hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and so this article just came, this was from February 24th this year. Um, so just interesting that they have gotten mm. a ton of money, 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 money. Uh, and, you know, there's been a lot of controversy, especially uh, surrounding the co-founder of <clears throat> Patrice Connacoolers. Yeah. Uh, she was Ms. the Manchins. executive director. Well, now she's she's since resigned um, because you know of the controversy surrounding her purchasing of not one, not two, not three, but four, yeah. four it's, different properties. It's a damn shame, dude. They they took advantage of these well-meaning people. And look, I understand a lot of people who are supporting BLM, whether you know the agenda behind it or not. A lot of the people, at least who I know, were well-meaning people who do want to see life improved for for Black lives. But these people got taken advantage of by this organization, man. They they were donating their money, thinking they're doing something good, that they're helping. How much of that money went back to Black communities and really helped? You know, how much of it just went into Miss Patrice's pockets and these other BLM leaders? Where's the money? You know, where did it go? What communities did they really build up? The people who made changes were those people who were more on the ground. They weren't part of these big bureaucracies. They were working in the soup kitchens. They, they were talking to the youth in their communities. Those are the people who are really, uh, you know, doing things to help. These big organizations, man, shun them because I guarantee you more likely than not they're about profit and not about helping. Yeah, this article comes from the same day, actually, February 24th, um, 2021. <clears throat> And it talks more specifically about these these ten chapters, the BLM ten, um, and how the funding is very disparate. Shows amounts ranging between eight hundred dollars and sixty nine thousand uh, going to different chapters. So it's very opaque. It says with thousands of members, dozens of affiliates. Two of its three co-founders are no longer affiliated with the movement, um, even if they continue to represent it on TV. So it's funny because they, they reside or no longer affiliated, but when it comes to television, when it comes to getting on CNN or some big network, they're very easily, they get they get on, no problem. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're all waiting for their book deals. and Yeah, well, it's marketing. Um, so that's that's yeah. the current status of the BLM situation. There's Any, been Anything more. else we want to cover? We're hitting an hour. Oh, uh, we want to talk about Winston Boogie Smith. This just happened. Um, yeah, this two days ago. I just found the name so ironic. Well, we thought it was funny because Winston Smith was it's, the protagonist yeah, from, from 1984. So we're like, wow. And so that's when I interesting. when I saw on Twitter that you know Winston Smith had been shot, killed by police in Minneapolis, and now people are upset about it. I was like, is this real? Is or this is a this joke? A troll? Like, well, you you found it because you pulled up that video of uh, the protest, and they interviewed one of these young protesters who didn't even know the name of the person he was there protesting in support of like had no idea didn't even know it was just like oh we're here you know in support of can't even remember his name but we out here yes yeah and then the interviewer supplied winston smith and he's yeah. like oh yes thank you winston smith. yes thank you winston smith and that's yeah. when i was just like is that that was the guy from 1984 but anyway <clears throat> winston boogie smith was shot and killed by police um the story is basically that on Thursday afternoon, I guess this was la no, this is say Sunday, so this was Thursday three days this ago. past week. Task force of U.S. marshals and local law enforcement attempted to arrest the suspect identified as Winston Blake Smith for possession of a legal firearm. Smith was in a parked car, refused to follow commands, and pulled out a handgun during the encounter. 
Um, and that was it. So basically, they he pulled out a gun while they were trying to arrest him, and they they fired multiple shots and killed him. They it's like, but what do you expect is going to happen when you pull a gun out? Yeah, you on can't a pull cop. a gun out it's when like... the cops show up at the door. What do you think would have happened if I if I pulled a gun out with three FBI yeah, agents at the door? Like, well, I would have been you'd dead. be dead. Yes, absolutely, you'd be dead. Yeah. You know, you just no you, you got to talk nice to them. Unfortunately, if you feel like they're they're pushing you around or if they're not behaving correctly recorded if you have to let yourself be taken in if you must right and then deal with it through the system legally address it if you feel it is unjust but be alive man like he said don't put yourself in a situation where you end up dead i ain't going with my hands up he bragged on social media um, so yeah, he's not exactly the most yeah. eloquent uh, dude. I mean, look, it sucks, but again, this guy knew what he was getting into. This is like, so. my, and then a bunch of people were rioting over this guy being shot. It's just like you guys picked the worst martyrs. They don't even know. Look again, like the video I mentioned before, the kid that they talked to doesn't even know the name of the person he's there for. It's just, hey, come out and protest. Someone else got shot by a cop. Screw the context. Doesn't matter why it happened or how it happened. Just <clears throat> we're out here now. Cops are bad. A cab. As, an, as an interesting aside to this story, Smith was previously sentenced to 48 months in prison in October 2018 for aggravated robbery in the first degree. But the judge stayed his sentence and let him out on parole. Had the judge not stayed his sentence and put him in jail, he may still be alive today. I don't know, man. It's just... And like you said, these, these are the bad examples to rally behind. It's like, look, if I'm going to rally behind, you know, a, a cause against police brutality, it's going to be when someone truly, like, innocent dies. And it because does that happen, does happen. Right? It does happen. But these cases, why are you going to go out on the street and protest and burn and, and, and be pissed off and break things and yell when someone who was technically a criminal dies when they try to resist with a weapon a police officer? Like, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah. That they're gonna they're gonna hold hands together. He pulls the gun out. The cops are gonna hand him a rose, like, and that's it. The fight fight is over. Or you're gonna send a social worker out there, and he's gonna deescalate that. It's these are complicated topics, man. They're complicated issues. Going out in the street and screaming and waving a sign is not what is going to fix this situation, and it's certainly not going to help improve the racial tensions in this country, man. And the crime it's, situation is getting out of control. Like, we are not. seeing increases in crime. It's not. This is just one example. This is from a police report in Charlotte. Uh, it shows a 210% increase in child sexual assault. That's crazy, Following dude. school closures. That is insane, that statistic. Uh, well, and, and granted, it was something like from 10 reports to 31, Still, that's a huge increase, you know. Yeah, but it, and well, it also it's probably just it, it's a representative sample, right? Yeah. So it's like just a sample of what's happening in Charlotte, but we can. I'm be sure you could pretty take, rest assured that I'm that's sure could, happening yes. in all major cities. You could around, take samples where they shut down schools, all these different communities, and I'm sure you will find an increase in depression, an increase in suicide, an increase in addiction, and yes, an increase in in sexual and molestation. We're, we're also seeing, you know. Uh, an increase in these videos of violence yeah, happening. Yeah, random violence too. Like random acts of violence. Unprovoked. Like here we see this dude getting out of a car. That guy's massive too, by the way. <laughs> He's just like quietly just approaching this woman, small woman at the gas doing her gas, gas, and this guy just like walks over and like beats her. Insane. Dude. For what? Like just beats her onto the ground i mean the only thing i can think of maybe would have provoked this guy is maybe they pulled in together and she did something stupid with her car or blocked his way or pissed him off or something it doesn't matter I, i'm not saying it matters i'm just i'm trying to 
I guess, think what would possibly provoke someone to do this. Could be mental illness. Could be mental. I mean, clearly, I think Who that knows? is. To me, that is mental and illness. I don't know what goes flying here. That looks like her phone. Or to me, this is mental illness, though. If you do this to someone, you're not right in you're the head. You're still beating this you know? tiny woman, and it takes, you know, like, it's like a minute before anybody... Like, this guy, like, it looks like this car pulls yeah, up. Yeah, Caesar like, totally drives there? away, like... Just kind of, like, rolls yeah, on. Yeah, well, look, it's... Whatever, it's, and it's, then finally people come over. It's the bystander effect, right? It's the bystander effect. People see something happening. And it looks like this may be a cop. I Pe can't tell because the... There's a blinking light, yeah. There's a there's flashing light there. But like, like I was saying, it's the bystander effect. You know, people see something like this happening, and they don't do anything because they assume, well, someone else is going to do it. Ah, someone else will do it. But someone like, else will do it. If this is a cop, why isn't this person getting out yeah. of a car? Or, like, why is their light blinking? I don't know. I probably wasn't a cop. But it's, it's also just very strange. And then there was uh, this other video I saw. Um, where is it? Just oh, this one. So many links. This one yeah, yeah. Is, is also crazy. Amazon driver. This, like, it looks like, you know, she's getting an Amazon delivery. This woman right here, she's getting an Amazon delivery. She says something, I guess, nasty to the delivery person. She can see, you know, she's sort of, sort of like, yeah. I mean, she looks, something. she looks pretty nasty and Karen is. Right she looks there. like a Karen. She goes to open the door, yeah. and she just goes mm. ham. Goes ham on her. Just, like, smack, yeah. like, hitting her in the back of the yeah. head, like, screaming at her, trying to, like, do a... Look, this woman, uppercut. I'm sure this woman must have said something really nasty to provoke this person, but it does not make what this Amazon driver did correct. It is against the law. It's assault. If someone says something racist to you or na nasty to you, you respond back to them with words. And if you really, if it's really that serious, I guess you can, you know, take it up as a hate crime somewhere if you can do that. You, you don't hit them. It's just so you weird know? to me that, like, they, like, continue to have a normal interaction-ish yeah. afterward. And she's like, okay, let me bring your stuff inside. Let me bring your stuff inside. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like it's great. People are going nuts, man. People are going nuts. That's what it feels like. This is what happens. You shut everything down for a year and a half, and now they're finally letting letting people out. But summer's here. The heat is up. and Oh, and here's that article that shows that they, they funded $39 million. The Pentagon gave $39 million through this company, EcoHealth Alliance. Uh, and this guy, Dr. Peter Dazak, uh, in order to fund gain-of-function research in Wuhan. So that was actually, it, but, it's a thing. But Brent, we did not fund gain-of-function research. This article actually has a whole bunch of data points here. Federal grant data assembled by independent researchers shows the charity has received more than $123 million from the government in total. Grants from the Pentagon included $6 million from the Defense Debt Reduction Agency for 2017 to 2020. They also got 64.7 million from the U.S. Agency for International Development or U.S. Aid. So, like this, this Eco Health Alliance got millions, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, and uh, it, it was our money, basically our taxpayer money, that went to drive this research. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the last thing I wanted to talk about was the UFOs. Oh, yeah, there's some UFO updates. Well, we haven't seen... We're waiting for the official UFO report to come out. I can't find... I had a tab. Yeah, I, I saw a funny meme the other day. It was like, you know, shit is so bad right now that the government just admitted to UFOs being real, and no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this comes from Caitlin Johnstone. This is Eight Thoughts on the UFO Narrative, and I just want to discuss it. We can go through here. Um, Caitlin seems to have more of the perspective that it's driving, it's just sort of like ramping up Cold War tensions. Um, 
she says, at this point in time, I find the notion that this steadily intensifying Pentagon narrative is unfolding by pure coincidence. The same time the U.S. is ramping up Cold War tensions with Russia and China amid a race to militarize space, highly unlikely. Full spectrum dominance means full spectrum. And military officials have been casting their eyes skyward, thinking about how truly undominated it is up there. And then this guy put out a video, which looks to my unscientific mind like a fairly thorough dismantling of a lot of the footage. So she, you know, shares some debunkery, um, which is interesting. And granted, the footage that has come out really hasn't been that revolutionary. We've had footage that, that has been similar to the footage that's been released before. Um, a lot of these leaks and disclosures aren't exactly revolutionary. The only thing that's revolutionary now is that the Pentagon and the DOD are speaking and saying, yes, that was our footage. Yes, that's legitimate. Uh, and they're pushing the sort of idea that maybe we're behind uh, some sort of like technology gap and that they want, you know, that they're pushing this out there so that they can increase military spending because our military spending right now in the U.S. is so ridiculous that there's virtually no way you can increase it unless you conjure a new threat. Yeah. So that's one of the things that she says. She's got this, these eight points here. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, <clears throat> but we, she also says we're waiting for the Senate report on these phenomenon, which could come in any time this month. Uh, if it's just a long-winded, yeah, there's some stuff up there we haven't identified. We should probably try to identify it, then we might not have to worry about it if it contains new and incendiary information then the odds of this thing being used to advance u.s military objectives go up dramatically the more likely it is to get weapons and money moving in new directions the more suspicious we should be hmm. um another reason to be highly skeptical of all this stuff is that it's one of those conspiratorial narratives which doesn't actually threaten real power structures in any way Anything rich people find cool is going to have some degree of toxicity to it. You're not going to get any paradigm-shattering revelations from an exploration that's been spurred on by people like Harry Reid and Marco Rubio. So she's got a point here that power will not will not uh, hurt itself, yeah. at least not intentionally. So if they are talking about UFOs, there's a reason. There's a reason, yep. and it's not because they are altruistically trying to, to reveal to us plebeians the truth. Oh, of course not. I mean, you and I have been delving into this topic for many, many years, and we know they are not going to just release what they know about it. And I've said multiple times on record that I personally think they don't, do they don't know as much about it as they want us to believe they know because it undermines their power if we realize just how much uh, they don't have a grip on this, you know? But, yeah. I don't know, I guess we should call it. Let's see. We're running at an hour 20. Um, yeah, just finish yeah. going through some of these like little points. She says that uh, if anybody starts talking about the possibility that the ETs require military attention, then they're lying. Yeah. If there really is an epidemic of aircraft That's suspicious. appearing in our airspace that can't be identified and they aren't just advanced technology from some other country, in the unlikely event that they are extraterrestrial, there's literally no reason for the military to have anything to do with them. If they're not hostile, then everyone should keep their weapons far away yeah. from them. And in the extremely unlikely event that they are hostile, then the U.S. military would be of no more use than a kid with a, sure. a, like, a flyer. What are you going to do with with our weapons against something that can basically defy what we know about physics and evades all of our most skilled pilots. And yeah, so they can appear and disappear at will, yeah. or if they can move faster than yeah. we think we are, than any Dude. of our technology can possibly. They can disarm and just dis like deactivate our electronical Dude, stuff. They, they fly at rapid, rapid, rapid speeds and then do a right, like a, sorry, a ninety degree turn 
all of a sudden. So you know when you're in the air and you're turning, you have to kind of gradually turn like this. Yeah, well, it's, well, it's suggested they, they have some straight, sort of flown inertial, inertial dampening technology. Flown straight, 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 bam, 90 well, degree yeah, turn. Yeah, their technology can mitigate the impact of an inertia, which is something we can't do yet. If you were flying as fast as some of these things and then just did a sharp 90 degree turn that way, you'd be splattered up against the side of your aircraft. <laughs> so because of inertia. These things, you know, they clearly don't operate with our tech and they don't even follow what we know about physics. She also right makes now, a good so. comment here. US news media would have every reason to play this stuff up because they are their ratings have plummeted since Trump left office. So <laughs> sure. talking about UFOs and aliens, that's spicy, they need, they need it's something, sexy, it's yeah. content. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about it. But UFOs are the new Trump, she says. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Uh, and while the U.S. government media are telling people that the Pentagon has been studying UFOs and that they've been hiding this for years, they don't get to act like the suggesting the possibility of a staged chemical weapons attack cover-up is some sort of unspeakably outlandish conspiracy theory anymore. So this is just funny because she's drawing attention to the fact that they, the chemical attack in Syria many, many years ago, I think it was under Obama, was likely staged by uh, either the you know, terrorists in Bashar Syria. al-Assad? What? You mean the, with Bashar al-Assad? He, well, he's the president of Syria. Gotcha. Yeah. But no, under Obama, when Obama was president, there was a chemical uh, chemical attack. Yeah, I remember that. That yeah. was probably staged um, in in Syria by people on the ground and there were many reasons to uh, a lot of evidence that went in to suggest that it was staged I'm not going to get into it now but she's making the point here that it's very bizarre that the government is, can come out here and basically admit that they've known about these things for decades that they've been lying they've been concealing the evidence and now all of a sudden you know it's like anytime anyone questions any government narrative they're immediately dismissed as some sort of crazy conspiracy theorist no like we have evidence that the government lies, that they're a serial liar. It's like if, if somebody you know in your personal life had a habit of lying and lied to you multiple times, not only about like minor things, but like about really important things, like say, you know, somebody, uh, they knew that somebody was doing something wrong, you know, in the family maybe, and that they just didn't tell you for years and years and years. Like, would you trust that person again, like in the future with important things? No, of course you wouldn't. And then they, you know, they have a history of it. Yeah, they have an established history, history of, of gaslighting yeah. and lying about other people in the family. The so, fact that anyone still trusts the government boggles my mind sometimes. Completely you know? boggling. But look, I, I, I forget sometimes that most people, people out don't know there... History. Yeah, they don't know history. A lot of people aren't capable yet of critical thought or ever. But. Yeah, so that's where we're at, folks. I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, I wanted to end really quick and read this Jordan Peterson quote, actually, just... Because the tensions are high in the country right now, there's a lot of divide happening, you know. Jimmy, F pull it up. FBI showing up at her door. There's all this, this you know, um, talk about, you know, January 6th and, you know, the right and the left. And I just, we, we see things heading in a direction that is bad, you know. And we're basically in, like, a sort of cold civil war. And I, I don't want to see it get worse. I don't know. You know about other people but me personally i have no interest in seeing uh, my country uh head toward a, another civil war so i wanted to read this quote by peterson and kind of end with it really quick it was a tweet he tweeted this a few months ago but i put it on our instagram because i liked it so much he says the moderates on the right must differentiate themselves from the extremists on the right the same applies to the left 
and those same moderates must seek out their willing counterparts across the ideological divide and work with them. And that's from Peterson. And again, I'm going to leave you with that thought because it's incredibly important. We have to distinguish ourselves from the radicals on, on our respective sides, whether you're a righty or a lefty. And we have to say we, we can't let discourse dissolve because when people stop talking, that's when fighting begins. So separate yourself from the extremists. Find the other moderates in, in your group, whether you're left or right, and then find the ones from across the ideological fence and divide and try to work with them. Try to have these discussions. Try to talk about the issues happening in the world. Don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the division of race and, and sexuality and all this crap, you know. Don't give in to it. Don't let them win. So yeah. thanks for watching, everyone. Yeah, we appreciate Don't forget it. to like the video, leave us a comment, yep. subscribe if you haven't yet. Yeah. Feel free to visit our website. This whole show should be YouTube safe, I think. Yeah, we'll post it on there, see what happens. Um, but it will also be backed up on our website, www.dangerousrhetoric.com. Mm -hmm. Also check us out on Instagram, at Dangerous Rhetoric. You can find me as well on my personal page, at Dan DeLaFay, and you can find Brent under It's Brentley. It's Brentley yeah. on IG or at CYRE2067, yeah. Sire2067 yeah. on Twitter. Once again, also check out our last video that we did before this and watch that footage of Manhattan and New York City post-lockdown and share it. You know, share that with people. Let them know, you know, Sharing what's happening. really helps the channel. Expose bro. Andrew Cuomo. Expose de Blasio. Expose Murphy. Expose all these crooks and what they did to us, man, because they're definitely going to try to get away with it. And, you know, if we stop talking about it, they will. And we'll be back again soon with another video. Take Thank care you so guys. much. Bye-bye.